Hey everybody, this is Tony Kriz with Pilgrim Lost. I just want to take a second to say thank you. Thank you for all the ways that you support us and promote us and share these podcasts with your friends. also want to thank you for your patience during this time of COVID as our Zoom calls are imperfect. The audio is imperfect. There are some glitches along the way and we just appreciate your patience. Please go to pilgrimlost.com, check out our blogs and other things we have going and thank you again for getting lost with us. This is Kari Gale. And this is Tony Kritz. Welcome to the Pilgrim Lost Podcast, a space for those who wander and wonder. Good morning, Tony Kritz. Good morning, Kari Gale. Top of the morning, top of the Tuesday. <laughs> top of the Tuesday. First That's Tuesday funny. of the month. It is the first Tuesday of the month. And we, in traditional Pilgrim Lost fashion, are going to record this pod in the moment, right before it goes out the door. Yes. Well, we, in all honesty to our listeners, um, we tried to do it yesterday. We tried. <laughs> really? We, we did. Right. And uh, we failed, basically. We, uh, we failed miserably. And we tried, we tried to, to be socially distant, but in the same space yes. on, in my backyard but there was way too much construction going on and it ended up not working. So we are going to try again today. Yes. On Zoom, our on Zoom. friend, our friend Zoom along with us. Our friend Zoom. And, I feel uh, like Zoom's everybody's friend though. Zoom knows everyone now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not so sure. Uh, um, I interrupted you. What were you going to say? No, I'm just, and just, I'm thankful for everybody listening in and being a part of this conversation with us and um, always enjoy people's feedback when they write us notes and let us know what they think on the topics. And today we're going to be talking about re-entry a little bit here in a minute. But before we get there, how's life treating you? Life is pretty good. I'm at the very end, the last 10 days of the 100-day project, which I know, is we're, super exciting. We're yeah. so close. So close. And I've actually, um, I've joined the last few days, although they've been hard as well. I decided to kind of pivot what the style that I was doing my pieces in. And I'm doing some black and white with just some gray wash watercolor, which I literally have never done before. Never done just um, treating something without color. And so I decided to do that. And it's been a little challenging for me because as an artist, I always viewed myself as an artist that does watercolor. So, and um, it's been fun. It's been challenging to do something, to take something down to its almost simplest essence and just yeah. do line work um, has been great. So um, yeah, I, I, although I can't lie, I'm really excited for it to be over. I'm yeah. a little bit worn out, worn out. So, so how about you? I know that so you've we've been, been doing, doing them. We've been doing this 100-day project, just in case you're a new listener. Um, uh, a bunch of us in, who are involved in Pilgrim Lost community have been doing for 100 days a, a consistent and accountable practice 
of some creative expression every day. And Cara has been doing a piece of art based on a friend of hers writings every day. And I've been writing a micro story every day. So it's been, it's been, uh, we're 90 days or something in, 91 days in or something. So yeah. Yeah. The end is in sight. Whew, it's going to be good. <laughs> Do you feel like, you know, this idea of a habit, of a habit establishing after 30 days, do you feel like this is a habit? Well, I have pondered momentarily, I will admit, but I have pondered continuing past the 100 days. Because there is, you know, with what I'm doing, trying to basically write a, a spiritual or human nugget into a 50-word story, it's helping me to refine um, what I feel. And to put it mm. to put it down on paper, and that has felt like a really valuable process for me. And quite frankly, I'm becoming a better writer because to write to have to write a whole story and reduce it and place it in exactly 50 words, not 49, not 51, 50 words each time, and to do the mental process of that, I'm actually some of my other writings are going better like the writings I'm doing for this documentary that I'm creating and some other things, I find myself actually getting to the point more effectively because of this practice. So that's been great. Well, so interesting because I actually, um, I was listening to a really great podcast uh, that is uh, with Liz Bice. And, and of course it's now I'm not remembering the podcast. Of course I'll have to look that up, but um, Micah Bournet and Liz Bice, uh, two artists, um, were talking about this idea of creative practice. Okay, actually, I'm looking it up right this moment so I can tell you guys because it's fantastic. Um, it's called Fight Evil with Poetry, and it, it is, um, it is, that was the name of their podcast, but um, of the actual episode, and then it's, it's T R N T analogy, and I'll I'll put that on the on the notes, but. They talked about this idea of, uh, he referred to the book, um, Fear and Art, which I'm actually rereading again. And it was this idea of quality versus quantity. And there's this story in the book that, that Micah actually referred to that I had read before, and I just reread it yesterday. But it's like this idea that the, the teacher in this class of, uh, it was for, for pottery, said you can get an A two ways. One, you can take 50 pounds of clay and you can use all of the clay and make as many pots as you can out of 50 pounds of clay and you'll get an A. Or you can go with the quality side and you can take, make one pot, but it has to be perfect. It has to be the perfect pot. And of course, as they, they all, they chose their sides and went about their business. And of course, the, the surprising thing was that the people that made the 50 pounds of clay, took the 50 pounds of clay, had way better pots than the people that sat and tried to finesse that one specific pot because they were just doing the work so doing the work their right. first yeah. their first 10 20 pounds of clay Good. were crap Good. and then they got to that 30 40 50 by the time they hit the end of that their pots were beautiful and Good. so this idea of working as i draw every day feels like that process and so I, you know, every day I'm like, oh, this is, this is a crap piece, but I'm doing it every day. And one of the things that Michael Bornet said that was so beautiful is he said, when the muse comes, when you, the muse comes and you have something to say, you don't want to be in a space where you haven't been keeping your skills sharp and ready. 
And so even if you don't have anything to say, even if you don't think your pieces are good, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it so that that practice becomes inherent in your, you know, your muscle, your muscle memory, your, your ability to do what it is you do, whether it's art or writing or drawing or, or, or poetry. He's a, he's a spoken word artist and also does incredible um, music and all sorts of things, but be ready when the muse comes. And so that was super inspiring because I thought, even though I don't really have a specific project right now, I'm keeping my, my hands working doing the practice, doing the work. So I thought that was super inspiring. So nice. hopefully that's what we're doing. Nice. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's dive in here. Let's dive into the topic. Ola day. Ola day. Ola day. That sounds like some sort of like, Ola day. Like you'd be skipping along the trail or something singing yeah. Ola day. French. Like, yeah, like Disney Robin Hood or something. Oh, totally Disney Robin Hood. Oodle Lolly. Um, so, uh, so uh, the, the news is a flurry with a news flurry. of reentry. Yes. And uh, reopening and stilted reopenings and reversing reopenings and all of this stuff is happening in the country right now. And we are all coming out of sort of a four month purgatory yeah yeah like a required asceticism uh and how much it's going to open how slowly it's going to open that's going to depend upon where people live and each of you out there you know you, you've got your own experiences you're having and and maybe you've gone almost fully reopen and maybe you feel like you never really closed but for so many of us we're kind of easing into it and here in portland we're just easing into it right barely barely Mm-hmm. Oregon's been one of was one of the earliest to close, and it's one of the latest to open. At least Multnomah County, uh, we have a very cautious governor, and um, and because of that, our quite frankly, our numbers have been really low as far as the infection, and so that's that's been a positive. Yeah, but things are just barely opening. It's like, what do you think, Kari? One in ten, maybe restaurants and bars are open right now in the city. Gosh, that's really hard. I know I was I was trying to find a place to 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 go eat the other night, just wanting to get out, and and it's 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 there's not that many, and I think right. that the 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 places that actually have outdoor space are really the only places that are, are opening right now. There's a right. few, there's a handful, but it's really rare. It's quite rare. Um, yeah. So even so though we're we're in a phase where you can open, you have to be able to meet certain requirements, and to meet those requirements, it's just not financially viable to open your doors. So most, most places still are not open, but anyway, but the, as we're starting to, to reopen, re-enter, it's a time of profound transition. And we thought we'd just kind of talk about that because we both have been through transitions in the past and we've made lots of mistakes in the past. Like, uh, what are some major sort of re-entry experiences from your life, Kari? Um, well, we actually, we've talked a lot about the fact that you're on this, this, uh, detox, right? This, this, this like food oh, yeah. diet, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I've been on those before too. And, uh, I've done, I've done a handful of those and you know how they always, <laughs> they're always like ease back slowly into eating these types of foods because usually they're, they're like diets where you're trying to get rid of foods to kind of realize which foods are irritating your body or causing you to have have health issues. 
And so that you're supposed to, you cut them all off and then you slowly, you slowly get them to your diet. And I literally have never done that. I always am like, I do 30 days, I'm on it, I follow all the rules. And then day 31, I have a really, I'd like maybe, maybe the first few days I'll, I'll not eat the things. And then suddenly I'm like, no, I want alcohol and sugar <laughs> and pasta. And so I really jump right back in. And, <laughs> and a box of voodoo donuts. <laughs> maybe not quite that bad, but, uh, but really I do all kind of undo all the work that I've done to right. do that process. And so um, that would be like a, a, a example of something physical that I've done. But we've both, we've both re-entered back into, into uh, normal life. I'd put quotes around that or our, our regular right. life after having been gone away from, from that regular life. And in my case, um, usually they've been either the Camino or um, a longer term of traveling, but you lived overseas for many years. And I'm sure that was quite shocking to re-enter back into, yeah. into American life. Yeah. Yeah. My quote unquote normal, my home culture. And not just me having to go through that process, but I've, I've led small and really large teams that have had to reenter and I'd have to, I have to help them prepare themselves because when we go from an intense experience, which quarantine has been and an international experience can feel intense to people. And then we sort of begin to reenter into what is quote unquote normal or what we used to be, we used to do all the time. There can be a lot of, um, there can be a strong psychological and personal impact. And it's also a profound opportunity. It's a profound opportunity. Did, when this happened, did they, did they provide you counseling about this? Because I've never done it where I've had, I've been within a group. It's only just been me. I've never, it's right. just been my own ability to figure out things out, but it sounds like they, they obviously, these are, these are teams so that there's some sort of, some sort of infrastructure around entering yeah. and going. And yeah. so there's, there's so a debriefing we, process that, you know, we take people through, but so I, um, I went ahead and just, I kind of quickly jotted down several sort of potential pilgrim lost principles of reentry. Oh, I'm so, I'm so curious. <laughs> I literally haven't heard these. So I want, I'm curious what they are. <laughs> so I just kind of jotted them down this morning and my, I just added one just a moment ago, but I, my first principle is the 50 pounds of clay. I thought that was oh. a nice principle. Well, how, you know? how would you, how would you uh, combine that with, uh, with reentry? <laughs> well, I would say that, um, you know, if people have been doing the, the hundred day project, or if they have sort of engaged some intentional practice that, uh, that we just sort of embrace, uh, what it, whatever it is we've gained from it or the beauty that we've been able to create and hold mm. on to that beauty. Mm. And, um, so that I just added that cause I didn't want to lose it. And I, for, for folks taking notes at home, I want to make sure they jot down 50 pounds of clay. Cause I'm sure many people have their note, their notebooks out they're jotting. Down oh, I'm sure they do. Pen at the ready. Uh, my second principle, uh, which goes back to something you just shared, I'll go ahead and move this one up to the top, is don't gorge. Oh, right. You know, don't gorge. That can apply to so many things. Exactly. Exactly. And, and specifically to your illustration, I, um, so in my 20s, I was a little cray-cray um, when it came to like uh, spiritual adventures. We'll put it that way. And um, I, I experimented with a lot of extreme 
like spiritual practices. And one of the things that I experimented with was fasting. Well, I personally have never experienced because I like food way too much. Never, never, never. So I went, how long? I, went, I went to the season where I was doing long fasts and I won't, I won't say exactly how long, but it, let's just say more than 10 days. Okay. Much wow. more. Okay. Wow. Okay. Can I just, can I just a month? More. Oh gosh. Okay. Wow. That's and uh, so no food at all, just water. And um, anyway, I'm, that's not, I don't want to get into details, but when it came to an end, like it had a set period of time when it came to an end, everything in me wanted to just basically go to McDonald's and just like order the menu. And that's, I didn't really want McDonald's because that would have made me puke, but um, it was so hard not to just want to eat everything that I came across, but my stomach was shrunk. You know, um, it would have been really, really abusive to do that. And um, I think right now, like with things starting to open up, it's very tempting to just kind of go, I'm just going to run out. I'm just going to eat out every night. I'm just going to, I just want to just ravish, you know, all of these experiences all at once as opposed to going kind of like you were talking about earlier, this, this sort of easing back in to don't, don't deny the gift of the limitations that we've had Mm. and let those, let those limiting experiences be a part of who you are as you move forward. That's a good principle. Any thoughts? No, I think it's, I think that's super wise and it is, um, just like in that that diet I was saying, you know, if if you if you added back in all of these factors, you're not able to tell which of those ingredients or foods were the ones that were causing you to have issues. So for example, you can't determine like, oh, it's wheat. Wheat was the thing. And I think I think some of the that same principle applies here, where as you re-enter and you start to try kind of going back into those regular things, you're not gonna have a sense of what things are really um valuable to keep and what things are that you can let go of. Does that make sense? So good. That's so Uh, good. Because I feel like there are a lot of things that I let go of, not, not because I wanted to obviously, but because of COVID that I am looking at and valuing and saying, I want to keep this thing. I want to hold on to this, this enforced limitation because it actually was healthier for me than what I was experiencing before, even though Maybe it was hard or, like we said, limiting in some way. I want to hold on to it. And a really simple example of that is cooking a lot at home. Nice. I, I have, you know, we all have had to cook at home. And I have gotten a lot more um, capable in the kitchen. I feel more comfortable. I enjoy the process. I know. And I mean, let's be honest. Part of it is that we've had a lot more time. Um, so that has been an, an added bonus. But I, I, whereas before it would just be a quick, oh, we're going out. And now it's, it, it, it's a luxury. Like I equate it as a luxury and wanting to hold on to going out as a luxury to me feels very healthy, not only for, um, it's my wallet, all the different things, you know, there's a lot of aspects to that, but I think that that being able to slowly, you know, engage in some of these things and you realize, Hmm, I really don't, didn't need that. I don't, need that in my life or yes this is something that i really do need and i want to hold on to it well you've just illustrated my next principle oh 
And my next principle is observe the jellyfish. Observe the jellyfish. Are we going back to Venice? Yes, yes. So, so a year ago, one year ago, uh, they, you know, biologists, oceanographers would have said it's impossible for jellyfish to, re- to, to live in the canals of Venice. It's impossible. It's literally impossible. It will never, ever happen. And today, there are jellyfish swimming through. You can see them swimming through the canals of Venice. Which I did go look up, by the way, and see after yeah. we, we talked about that, which was pretty amazing. Yeah, it was impossible. It was impossible. And yet it's happened because tourism is down and pollution is down and um, traffic is down on the canals. And so the, the water has settled and the jellyfish have returned. That, that the, this time, while tragic and painful in so many ways, has also provide, provided beauty that, would, that used to be impossible. And there are things in all of our lives, perhaps, that if we take the time to just look, we'll realize that that the canals of our life, the jellyfish have returned. Mm. Um, Perhaps there are things that we thought we would never be able to do or we would never experience. We would never still ourselves enough to be able to to observe or whatever. So I would just encourage people to, Mm. to observe the jellyfish in the canals of their life. Can I ask you what would be a specific jellyfish that you're observing right now? Oh, God. I like the metaphor so much that now you put me on the spot. Um, well, there's, there certainly is a, a lot more slowness to my life. Mm. And so, like, here's one that I've just been doing most evenings after dinner, I go out and I just sit on my front porch and I just sit and I'm just sort of still. And I, I just like that where maybe before I would have, you know, run out to a pub and meet a friend to talk or whatever. And, uh, there's, there's been stillness in that. And, um, there's certainly been some, some contemplative parts of my life that have surfaced that have sort of the jellyfish of contemplation have swum back into my Mm. life. And I've been, um, enjoying that and making some really strong personal epiphanies about who I am around shame and around some of my hurts from my past. I've I've spent a lot of time thinking about, so. Hmm. Nice. I mean, not nice. You know what I'm saying? Like good, good, good is a better word than nice in that scenario. Hmm. And then, okay. The next principle I'm going to, I'm using your words here, Kari. Don't let the seeds blow away before they root. Oh, yeah. So um, that story is basically, I was just reading, when we were talking about possibly doing this episode on reentry, I went back to look at my book that I had written, uh, right around, you know, for the Camino, uh, for the Camino, after the Camino. And um, I had written this section about, coming back after having such an epic experience and having these different seeds of things that you either changed about yourself or you wanted to change about yourself or things that were slowly transitioning and naming them as seeds and, and realizing that when I got back, those seeds were really, really, I had planted them in the soil of myself, but they were very shallow. Those seeds were quite shallow. And so if there's a storm that comes along, 
and your seeds are shallow, they're going to blow away, right? So this idea of, of letting those seeds root in farther, um, because I felt like a lot of the things when I came back from my very first Camino, some of the things that I had really valued and thought, I'm going to change this about myself, or I'm in the process of changing this about myself, they had been so shallow that when I got back into normal life, very quickly they blew and didn't root. So that idea of letting those things, those processes, those ways of being that are, are life-giving, that are new to you, trying to do all you can to let them root in you. And that can be, there can be a variety of ways that you do that. Um, and in fact, I'd love if, if our listeners have ways of being that they've, you know, transformations that, they, that have occurred with them, that they, ways of letting these things root in, like, I would love to hear them because this, I mean, this is really why we started this, this whole podcast is this idea of these practices that we had learned on the Camino. How do they root in us? How do they become part of our everyday lives? And so, I mean, that's a going question. And um, yeah, so rooting, rooting down in and whether it's a daily practice or what are the things that, what are the ways of being that, that you guys have experienced that have helped you? Yeah, yeah. But before this thing started, my, my typical work day involved um, leaving the house around, you know, nine or 10 in the morning, going to a meeting. <coughs> Bless Excuse you. me. I got some tea down the wrong pipe. You're going to a meeting, going to another meeting, then finding a cafe so I could open my computer and answer some emails and do some writing and then go to another meeting, go to then meet at something and then, you know, come home for dinner or whatever. That was like a typical day and it involved a lot of driving, involved a lot of meeting people so we could sit down and discuss something face to face because that was, that's just what I thought it had to be. And um, what's happened during COVID is my my rhythms have totally changed. Like now in the morning I sit and I do all my computer work. I answer my emails. I do my writing. I, um, if I have to do a zoom call, uh, I'll, I'll get that done. And then by afternoon, I strap on my walking shoes and I take a list of errands that I need to get done that day. And I go and I walk and between, and between my errands, I make phone calls and I do all those meetings I would have dri driven around town to do. Now I just do it while I walk and I sit and I chat with my business partners and with clients with different things I need to get done. I just talk to them while I walk. And so I'm getting this physical activity and then, then I'll go and run an errand or I'll swing by the grocery store on my way home to get food for dinner or whatever and just make it all part of walking. And then my body's getting, you know, yesterday was 12 miles. I got 12 miles of walking in while running errands. Wow. You know, and it was great. Healthy. Like this, this, this ability to like weave actual work into like an exercise being sort of partnered and not separate. You know, this idea where we go to the office and we sit for eight hours and then we're like, oh my God, I got to get to the gym. And then you drive to the right. gym and then you work out for the gym. It's all so separate and compartmentalized. And the, what you've just described to me is so um, meshed together in a beautiful way. Yeah. I've got a friend who's who's launching uh, his book today. It's called Everywhere You Look by Tim Sorens. Everywhere you look, everyone go to Amazon and buy Tim Sorens' new book. But I got to talk to him yesterday about um, you know ideas about getting his book off the ground and how can I help. And we talked about that while I was out and about. And it's great. It's just really great. So very cool. Um, so uh, don't let your seeds blow away before they root. My um my next principle is as as we enter back into the world, 
that we would spend thoughtfully. Mm. Spend thoughtfully. And I have two thoughts on this. One is I bet you all of our spending has been different the last four months than it was oh, before. For, for sure. A hundred percent. Well, yeah. And some of it's probably spending less. Yeah. Almost and every person I've talked to is spending less. Spending less and learning how to spend less and making some pretty careful choices. And maybe some of those choices need to be maintained. Yeah. Like, well, maybe we need, maybe this is a great opportunity to, to sort of reevaluate budgets and values around money. And, um, and the other thing about spending thoughtfully is I just, I, I, this is me, this is me speaking personally. Um, sp spend local. Spend on small businesses, small markets, boutiques, locally owned restaurants. Um, support. It's just a great way to love your neighbor in just a really valuable way. And quite frankly, it, it, it helps all of us when we spend locally. We tend to keep our dollars within a local economy as opposed to spinning them out quickly to Wall Street and to the 1% when we spend mm -hmm. in, in large chain stores and, and stuff. So, Yeah, you know, on that, on that note, it was very interesting because when we all first, you know, everything first shut down and I will be very honest, I am, I like the idea of spending local, but I also really like the idea of getting my thing in one day and I don't have to leave my house. And so I am a purveyor of all things Amazon and Amazon pretty much started, stopped being that fast for at least a little while, it stopped, you know, it would have, there was delays and something that you might be gotten two days, you would have to wait a week or two weeks. And, and I actually stopped depending on that. And uh, then the other day I had, I needed something uh, for, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I ordered it. I did get it in one day. And I thought, this is too fast. <laughs> Real. Like what has happened? I get this in one day, like that I can think of something I can order it and I can have it the next day without leaving my home. I almost feel like there's something inherently wrong with that. Like I don't have, there's no anticipation. There's no, there's, it was just sort of almost anticlimactic to get it the next day. So I was, I was, it was an interesting sort of process that I hadn't been able to receive these things so quickly. And then mm. I was again. And so I, I really like the idea of anticipation when I think about getting something new, um, now, granted, there are things I'm not down on Amazon in the sense that, you know, there are things we need, blah, blah, blah. But just like Tony is saying, just like you're saying, it's this idea of if you can find it locally, let's buy locally. Let's buy the things that that are supporting the communities around us rather than some nameless entity. Um, yeah. And I, I realized I don't need things. I don't need things as quickly as I've been told that I need them. I don't, totally. I don't, you know, I don't need them. And most of the times, some of, and most of those things I don't actually need <laughs> right. to begin with. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting, uh, sort of reset in that process of what is, you know, and here I am, I live in a tiny house and I think I'm actually fairly, really careful about what I bring into my home, but, but there's still, um, you know, it's amazing. I still have to clean out my tiny house of the things that I've amassed that I don't need every every year i have to do that so i feel like it's a good reset for all of us to think that way let me just buzz through a couple of these really quickly and then we'll get to one we'll chat about a little bit more but um i just want to remind everybody to care for your neighbors 
you know, we've, we've had a chance to connect more deeply with a couple of our elderly neighbors. And uh, just because, just in case they need us, you know, to run an errand for them and just checking in and make sure everything's cool, uh, that we wouldn't let those relationships go. We wouldn't stop nurturing it just because the world has opened back up. And so that just so encouragement. Good. And, you know, and safety too is a great way to care for your neighbors, you know, masks and distancing and all that stuff. Um, uh, and then take care of your neighbors and then take care of yourself. And reentry is, is another form of stress. It's another form. It's another change in life that can, that can bring about depression or anxiety or, or, and pile on the things that we're already feeling. The, if you're aware of a need to sleep more, you might need to sleep more. If you're aware of the fact that you don't feel great, maybe add some broccoli to your diet. It might be time to, to call a friend and admit what you're feeling. And maybe you need to call somebody who's a professional and let them sit down with you and talk some things through. Depending upon what you're feeling, take care of yourself. Um, so I just want to add that encouragement along the way. Any thoughts there, Kari? I think those are all great things. And I, for one, have been doing my best to sleep as many hours as I possibly can. <laughs> check that one off. <laughs> I've checked that box and I'm good. I'm good. I'm sleeping like 10 hours a day. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I think this is, you know, we all react to stress in different ways and we're all carrying it all the time. And so I think having that, this time where we've slowed down, has given us the ability to actually like take heed of those things and recognize them and not just run, run roughshod through them and be like, Oh, that's just, that's just life. We're actually getting a chance to, to respond to our bodies and listen to them. And, and I, for one, am doing my part. <laughs> okay. Last one here, before I say the last one, I'm gonna, may I read you one of my 50 word stories? Please do. So this is one from, from three or four days ago. And uh, the story is called Fold, Fold. And all of my 50-word stories, the protagonist is named Pilgrim. So apropos. Apropos. <laughs> apropos. Uh, is Pilgrim, and Pilgrim interacts with these different characters in order to, and it's only 50 words, so. Okay. Fold. Pilgrim had known friend for many difficult years. Pilgrim had pursued, initiated, listened, and supported. Friend had done little of those things. Pilgrim could not give up on friend. But if this was poker, Pilgrim was, quote-unquote, pot committed. However, great players know there is no such thing. Maybe time to fold. Mm. So I wrote this story. Uh, and um, I had multiple people contact me and ask me if it was about them. Oh, you're serious? Like, like you're writing about me. Is this about me? Yeah, yeah. I posted on Instagram and they read it. And I, like the next day, I got texts from people who were like, I have to talk to you. And then I would call them and they'd go, Why did, did you write that story about me? Or do you feel like you need to fold our friendship because you feel like you give more than I do? I was like, no, like you never even came to mind. Like... Oh, how interesting. But it's so interesting that people felt that. Okay, so here's a hard question, though. When yeah. you wrote that, did you have specific people in mind? Or was um, it just kind of I had a, I had a category of people in mind. Hmm. Um, 
And, and ironically, I spoke to one of those people yesterday, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but uh, I had a category of people in mind. And, um, and really, the, the people that I have in mind are folks that where I, I just, I realized some time ago that that, that relationship would, no, would not exist if I was not initiating all the yes. time. I definitely have experienced those as well. If I wasn't fueling the engine of our connectedness. And it's not those people don't like me. I'm, I know that they like me and, you know, whatever. But uh, I realized that there, I was not experiencing mutuality hmm. That's a good in way our engagements. It. And that that was, and that was, quite frankly, that was um, a drain on my soul. That there was... It was like, it was like running into the wind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and so my, one of my principles here is consider shrinking your circle. Maybe COVID is, as has actually shrunk your circle. It probably has, you know, the, the number of people you're interacting with and just take inventory of, of, of maybe which relationships really you experience mutuality with and are life-giving to you. Well, it's funny. It's so interesting because that's, I mean, that was one of the biggest things that I experienced upon re-entry um, after my last kind of traveling time where I was gone for a year and a half is really <clears throat> deciding that I valued, because I had been alone and really on my own for a year and a half without those consistent friendships that I really wanted to invest deeply in people rather than surf, kind of in that surface space. So when I came back, I I kind of, in a similar way, I decided not to pursue, not to be the pursuer and the initiator and just kind of see what happened. And it was really interesting to see which folks reached out, which, which folks kind of, you know, let go. And, and honestly, I have not, I've not looked back and thought, I thought, I think that was one of the best things that I did upon reentry for me was to, was to kind of let that circle naturally shrink and I'm, I'm a person in the past that really valued, like I've, having a large circle gave me worth. And as I've let that go, that need go, that, mm. that you know, number of friends is not, is not indicative of, of uh, how great of a person I am. It really, for me, it's the depth of those relationships. And so I think that's a great principle. And, and I think everyone's sort of experienced that to some degree. And interestingly enough, almost in the reverse way, we may have established contact with, with folks that through Zoom or totally. what have you, that we haven't maybe had relationships with in the past that are life-giving. Totally. And so sort of moving those relationships and, and allowing those things, other ones to grow in their place, you know, that are maybe more, um, just can be more mutual, like you're saying. Yeah, just to um, to reiterate your point, when the most of the folks I'm talking about were people that that I wanted to be known as somebody who knew them, like mm. they were they, they were ego practices for me to sort of like, oh, I know these these people who have some national acclaim or they're really amazing erudite human beings that everyone thinks are so interesting and I want, I want to be one of their interesting friends. I want to be known as one of their interesting friends, you know, mm. and um, as opposed to the beautiful quietness of, of true mutuality and, and 
mutual initiation, mutual care, and the quietness of friendship, that, uh, that friendship is more than, you know, voting for one another. Mm. So, all right. I think that's about it. That's about what I got on our principles. I love it. I think those are great principles. Well done. So here they are again, 50 pounds of clay, uh, observe the jellyfish, don't gorge, <laughs> don't gorge, don't let the seeds blow away before they root, spend thoughtfully, care for your neighbors, care for yourself, shrink the circle. Great. I think those are great. And remember everyone that this is, we're in this for the long haul. Like yeah. odds are we're going to be having this conversation a year from now. It'll be different, but odds are we're going to be having this conversation again a year from now. So um, let's be in this together. Let's seek wholeness and health. Um, Let's embrace life and hopeful motion. And uh, Kari, it's great spending time with you. You too. Take care, friend. Take care, friend. Everyone, thanks for listening. Please uh, reach out to us. Let us know your thoughts on principles of reentry or how you're doing or how you're shrinking the circle or observing the jellyfish or whatever is going on in your story. And um, we, uh, we look forward to next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond. Thank you.